Thank you for joining us today. Whether you are part of the Lighthouse family, be it on-site with us weekly or tuning in online, we'd love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Ely. It's on all our social media platforms. I hope this word encourages you and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Is it great to worship together? Yeah, just me? Yeah. It's, um, it's great to be bringing you the word this morning. And uh, if you're joining us online, I hope you feel very much a part of us this morning. And uh, I want to start with a question this morning, which, don't worry, it's not heresy. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just a thought process that I've been uh, thinking about going through. When I look around and see where maybe our faith, people's faith is at. And I want to explore this morning um, this question in a bit of detail. And we're going to look at some uh, spiritual disciplines to go with that. So, why pray when you can pay? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this morning, Lord. I want to thank you that you have uh, put this word on my heart, that you've been testing me and teaching me about various things. Lord. And I pray as I bring this morning's word, as I bring my thoughts into place, Lord, that it would just really settle with people, Lord, that we would search your word for clarity, Lord, we would search your presence, Lord, for peace, and that as we explore this, Lord, that you would really challenge us, but you would equip us and empower us also. Thank you, God, that you are a living God who is at work in each of our lives. Amen. So I want us to focus, like I say, on these spiritual, uh, these spiritual uh, disciplines, as soon as I say the word discipline, I'm sure some of you are thinking, oh my goodness, I'm turning off now, because that is nothing that I want to be spoken to about. But as it's January, and it's New Year, and Giles's uh, current series on kingdom thinking, I was a bit concerned that he'd seen my notes, or I'd seen his notes, and we'd kind of like thought in the same process, but it's, um, it's all good, it's fine. So, uh, who set a New Year's resolution? Anyone? Good. Today's the day. All right? <laughs> it's not too late. I was going to ask, out of who's, you know, decided to have one, who's actually still kept it, still got it? So um, as none of you have started one, so none of you are keeping one, we can start today. It's not too late. So um, maybe it's a spiritual discipline that you want to start and challenge yourself with in 2023. So what is a spiritual discipline? We read in 1 Timothy 4, 8, it says this, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. I um, play the drums, as you know, and uh, we as a band get the so song and set list, maybe Monday, Tuesday, as early in the week as possible, and we listen to the songs, or I listen to the songs daily on repeat. When I have a chance, I practice, and we have um, a practice on a Thursday night. And it's a real physical discipline for me to um, know the songs, learn the songs, know where we're going. And what I want to talk to us about today is how these physical disciplines, how these then spiritual disciplines bring freedom. Discipline and freedom isn't something that is often in the same sort of context. When you think of discipline, maybe you think of, you know, regimented I've got to start here, I've got to go there, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. There's a real discipline, maybe as like a, like a teacher or authority or a boss. 
But what I want to talk about is this discipline spiritually brings spiritual freedom. And for me, drumming, if I discipline myself in learning the songs, practicing, knowing where my cymbals are, knowing where my drums are, when it comes to worshipping, I'm free. I don't feel restricted by, oh, no, that's it, my drum's here, my pedal's here, or, you know, that's where the song's going. I just can go. Because I've disciplined myself in a way that is, has taken time. I've played the drums for 21 years. I know, I don't look old enough. And... Um, all right, okay, I do look old enough. And, um, but it has been 21 years of, of discipline, of listening to songs, of changing techniques to a point where actually I am able to worship freely while I'm drumming. So these practices, these uh, spiritual disciplines are, are practices that, that transform, transform us from one state of glory to another. This transformation doesn't happen through osmosis. It's not hanging around with other people. In the band, we've got some very talented musicians. If I spent time with Sam and my discipline with the drums, I wouldn't, through osmosis, gain his skill set on the guitar. I definitely wouldn't pick up Roz's vocals if I spent time with her. We have to discipline ourselves and our skill set to gain our skill set, to gain our spiritual discipline. We're going to go through six spiritual disciplines. So... um, if you've already turned off because you don't like the word discipline, you've only got six to sit through. But I want us to explore where, through God's love and God's grace and God's blessings, that we can receive these tools, these gifts, that will bring freedom in our spiritual walk. And I will be repeating that quite a lot as you go through. So if nothing else, get it in there, that this discipline brings freedom. Our first one is prayer. Do people enjoy praying? Yeah? Got some, got some firm prayers? People struggle with prayer? I've gone through real stages in my faith where prayer's been really good, really easy, really fruitful. And then there's times where it's been absolute burden, an absolute burden, where things haven't gone so well. And you think, prayer, are you serious? I've tried it for the last six weeks. And you're thinking, six weeks? You know, is that it? Keep, keep on doing it. I'm so relieved in the gospel with the reality that the disciples who spent time with Jesus struggled with this concept of prayer. It makes me laugh. It actually humors me to think that they understood that Jesus was 100% God, yet when it came to talking to God, it was different to how they spoke to Jesus. They were like, Jesus, how do we do this thing, prayer? How do we do it? He's like, what do you mean how to do it? You're doing it now. You're in conversation with me, God. This is how you're doing it to do it. I found this acronym for prayer, for pray, that was really useful. And uh, P, praise. Even in the trials, we are to praise him. Maybe it might be through a song. Maybe it may be through prayer. But find a place where you can praise him for all that he's done and all that he's doing. Repent. Confess your sins. Are there is this this um, this reality that we are forgiven, but also there's a power, and it says in the scripture about confessing your sins. Speak to him and say, you know, God, I'm sorry, I messed up. This is the reality of where I'm at. Repenting isn't reflect. The R isn't reflect. Once it's been repented, it's finished. You don't reflect on your sins. You don't go back on them. 
You don't justify them. Okay, you just say, God, I'm sorry, I've messed up. And he forgets it. A is for ask. He is a God of abundant resources. I cannot say that enough to you. He is a good, good father. He loves you. He wants to pour out what he's got heavenly on you. His gifts, his resources, his, um, his blessings on you as his children. P-R-A. Then why? Yield. In other words, surrender. I couldn't use surrender because I didn't start with why. It would have been praz. But <laughs> yield. Surrender to this reality of what it is to be a child of the Almighty Father. Mark 14. This is um, when Jesus is in the garden and he's praying to God and he says, um, Abba Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus, as human form of God, said, you know what? I surrender. I yield to you. Whatever I have to do, may it be for you. So that's prayer. The second one is fasting. You've even turned off even more now. At our... um, small group this week, we spoke at length on fasting, as it was a subject that we wanted to explore. And uh, the irony is that we consumed the most amount of chocolate cookies while talking about fasting and popcorn <laughs> known to man. So it was, um, it was a good, good session. But what is fasting? You know, to the Jews that Jesus was talking to at the time, fasting was something they had to do religiously. It was a ritual they had to do. It wasn't necessarily something spiritual. And I think in society now, we can talk about intermittent fasting, almost as a diet, yeah, not me, but as, as like a, a diet mentality of, I'm going to fast for my body, for my physical appearance, for my physical well-being. But what this is talking about in Scripture is fasting for a spiritual gain. You know, they were talking about removing food from their diet. But I believe we have a, we have a gracious God who understands where we're at, And if there are things that are filling your life, maybe you're not a massive eater, but there are things like TikTok. There are things like work, maybe don't fast work. But there are other things that, you know, that take all your time and all your energy. Maybe it's time to go, actually, God, I need to to cut back on that. It's um, one of the scriptures we looked at on Wednesday was Matthew 4, when it talks about um, Jesus fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And the scripture says, and he was hungry obviously. But what I love is the fact that he was hungry because he was man. But what the devil came in and done was he kind of picked at his manly side, his humanity side. He says, you know, if you're hungry, turn this stone into a loaf of bread. What he didn't do was challenge his spiritual side. Because through his fasting, what was already grounded on the reality of who he was as God has been strengthened because he's removed that aspect of humanity and replaced it with a time of prayer and fasting. So when you're praying, when you're fasting, when you're removing something from your life that is just filling your time, expect, you know, the the temptation. But also remember that you have replaced that temptation with an almighty God who is for you and not against you. So when you are hungry and when you've replaced your phone with your Bible, and you're desperate to know who's just got engaged or who's had a baby. Say, you know what, God? It really doesn't matter for today. 
because your word is alive and it's going to speak to me and it's going to last a lot more and a lot more powerful in my life than knowing what's happened on Instagram. We do, however, live in the freedom of Christ and we don't live under the Jewish law and fasting isn't a law that we have to do. But I'll tell you what, it is good. It is beneficial. It is profitable for our spiritual walk. Matthew 6 says this. And uh, this is Jesus speaking. But when you fast, put oil on your head as you normally would to groom your hair and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by people, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will, will, sorry, will reward you. What he's saying is, don't go around going, oh, I'm so hungry. You wouldn't believe I haven't eaten for two hours. Or don't go, you know, I'd really like to know what's on. I'm not looking at my phone, but if you want to look on Instagram, I'm happy to look over your shoulder at your phone just to see what's going on. You know, don't give up TV and then go to Curry's and watch every channel on every TV <laughs> to get your fix. You know, go about your normal day. Don't make a big deal about it. Just go, you know what? We're going to go out for a coffee and I'm going to catch up with someone. I'm just going to order tap water. I mean, no one's going to ask any questions. And no one's going to know why. And it doesn't matter because what it is, is between me and God. And to be honest, if you go around someone's house and they make you a cake and you're forced to eat it, God's not going to punish you. If you are going to invite anyone around and you've baked a cake, I'm not fasting this week. <laughs> but this, this scripture comes as part of at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus talks about three things. He says, um, get in the right order. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. It's almost an empowering of, you know, not that you've got to, but when you do, this is how you are to do it. It's guidance, it's not rules. And maybe fasting is something you've never done before. Maybe it's not something you haven't even considered. And um, I've got some tips, not as a professional faster, but I've got some tips that actually through Scripture and through people who um, have written all sorts of things about it. It's good, good pointers. So firstly, set an objective. What are you fasting for? It is a spiritual thing. If you're seeking guidance, if you're seeking a decision, go at it with prayer and fasting. Set an objective. Commit to your fast. Make clear guidelines. Say, look, Lord, I'm really struggling with this aspect of my phone, for example. It takes over my day. It takes over my time. Please help me, enable me to remove that so I can focus on you. So commit what you're giving up and commit to what you're doing. Say, so rather than look at my phone for seven hours a day, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to seek you for what you've got for me. And prepare yourself. Physically, if you enjoy your food, maybe cut back slowly. But also spiritually. Don't just use it like a lottery card or a scratch card. Say, oh, I really need guidance this week. I'm not going to eat on Monday because God's going to reveal himself. No, 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 no. If you are looking at a direction in which you think or you believe God is calling you, pray about it in, in preparation for your fast. Seek him. Do Bible studies. Spend time with people. Fellowship. And then when the decision comes down to it, go into it humbled and expectant. So, number three. Bible study. Don't just read the word for knowledge. Do it to meet with Jesus. Do it to meet with Jesus. 
and expect him to change your life. In John 5, um, this is Jesus speaking again. It says, you search and you keep on searching and examining the scriptures because you think that in them you will have eternal life. And yet it is those very scriptures that testify about me. And still you are unwilling to come to me that you may have, so that you may have eternal life. A bit like the Jews with fasting, we can get caught in the ritual of doing what we think we have to do. You know, there's almost this bad habit of you have to wake up in the morning, you have to read your Bible for at least half an hour, and then Jesus will talk to you. I'm sorry to break anyone's doctrine or theology, but it doesn't actually say that in Scripture. Just spend time with Jesus. Just spend time with Jesus. Spend time with his word. And whether it is a verse, a chapter, a book, if you enjoy reading, you know, crack on. But spend time with Jesus. And say to him as you go into study on your own or with other people, say, Father, reveal yourself to me in this word, in this living word that you've given to us to empower, enable, and equip. You know, I'm not ever so great at recalling Scripture. People are very good. Lizzie Hunt, for example, is very good at, you know, knowing where the Scripture is, knowing the verse, knowing the chapter, and reciting it word for word. I'm not great at that. But in the discipline of reading your word regularly, in the discipline of knowing your Scripture in general, there'll be times when stumbling blocks come, and you'll just think, oh, you know, I am loved. Oh, you know what? He has a plan for me. You know what? He protects me and he guides me. And you start finding that actually in the discipline of reading and studying um, for your own gain, the freedom comes that maybe when you're having a tough time and you don't feel like reading, that he will just reveal himself to you. He's a God who has no boundaries. He's not restricted by paper. He will speak to you. Number four, fellowship. For those of you who know me, I love being around people. I love being around other believers who encourage, who challenge me. And uh, just to spend time with other people who have faith in a similar thing, whether it's in prayer or study or just, just in, in fellowship. But we are to preserve this essence of fellowship with other believers. Hebrews 10, 25 says this, uh, let us think about each other and help each other or how to provoke, rouse, encourage each other to show love and do good deeds. You should not stay away from, neglect or forsake the church meetings or meeting together, as some of you are doing. That's not a dig at anyone, please. Some are abandoning Christianity and returning to Judaism. It's not a fact of, you know, not meeting together. It's going backwards in our faith. But you should encourage each other and stay faithful to Christ and to other believers. And even more so, as you see the day coming, the Lord, sorry, the day of the Lord when Christ will return. So what is it to explore these spiritual disciplines within practice of fellowship? Again, broken down for you, three easy steps. Large fellowship. A time with other believers. A time as church to come together. Not to sit here and you know, listen to the songs or sing the songs and then listen to me go on for 20 minutes. But to come and rejoice in what God's done. Say, you know what? How's your week been? It's been tough. How's your week been? Well, mine's been great. Rejoice with one another. Share the burdens. Pray for one another. 
Don't use this as like a, an AA meeting. Use it as a time where we can really come together and say, yeah, let's pray that this week is better than last week. Let's set a goal for the end of the week. Let's pursue the guidance from God through a day of fasting. Let's fellowship together. So large groups, small groups. I go on about my small group a lot, and they probably hate hearing me go on about it. But in all honesty, my small group, or our small group on a Wednesday night, is the highlight of my week. I hope they enjoy it as much as I do. To come together with, yeah, whoop, whoop. <laughs> to come together with, you know, for anything from 8 to 16, 18 to 30-year-olds, which makes, you know, our very small house very full very quickly. But to really challenge one another, to speak life into one another, to encourage, to challenge, to pray, to worship. It's a real time of growth. And if you're not in a small group or you don't have that sort of close um, accountability uh, people in your life, please get in touch with us. We'd love to put you in a small group. If you're aged between 18 and 30 and you want to join us, you can. We have to get there early to get a seat. Otherwise, it's on the floor. The other one is individual mentoring and discipleship. We need that. You know, that iron sharpens iron, that mentality that actually there's great being in the group together, but sometimes there's people who maybe shy away from asking questions or pursuing, pursuing a thought. Get beside one another. Get beside one another. And it doesn't have to be from Lighthouse. Get beside someone who believes in God and say, you know what? You go to this church on Sunday, I'll go to this church on Sunday, but we both walk to school to drop our kids off. That is a time of discipleship, of mentoring. Wherever you're at, use it to empower and equip and grow in your faith. Number five, giving. This is always a spiritual discipline that nobody likes speaking about when they're up here, especially when you have the, the, the blessing and it is an honor to be employed by the church. But giving, what is it to give? As a spiritual discipline, we are to grow in the grace and the knowledge of giving. It's not a burden. It's not something that, you know, I must do this. I must do that. It's, I've got this, so I want to give that. It's a graceful, it's a pleasure, it's a delight in giving. 2 Corinthians. So this is Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And it says, uh, sorry, 2 Corinthians 8, 7. says this, since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us. I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. Like I say, don't limit yourself by what you think you have to give. Accept the fact that God has got so much that he's poured onto you, you have got ability to give. And it's not just financially, I'm not talking financial. I'm talking about what you are, what you have. If you have a home, and you have a table, and you have two spare seats on a Sunday lunchtime, and you see someone walking, and you think, you know what, I want to get to know them. I want to give them a meal. Have them around for lunch. Spend time in fellowship and giving. Tick, tick. Say grace. Pray as well. Fantastic. You know, it's, it's these experiences that sometimes you spend so much time in prayer saying, God, please reveal ways in which I can be more like you. And he's like, Hello. What do you need? What is it you need? You have 
multiple opportunities to share the love that I've given to you. You have opportunities to share financially with those in need. You have opportunity to pray as I've, as, as I've enabled you and equipped you to pray. We um, sometimes forget stories in Scripture that can just niggle at us. And when it comes to giving and we think, you know, but I've only got this, or no one would want to come to mind for dinner. But actually, when we think of possibly one of the, well, for me, probably one of the most miraculous miracles in, in Jesus' life on earth, he took a child's lunch who had literally bought lunch for himself and his dad, and he's like, oh, Jesus, I've got this. He didn't say, oh, I'm going to keep this for me and my dad because actually it's not enough to give. He said, you know what, God, you know what, Jesus, I've got this. If you can use this, then, then do. And what do we read? 5,000 men and their families are fed from this small gift that God's multiplied. Don't limit what you believe God can do by what you feel you have. Open your eyes to see, actually, from what God has created from nothing, he can do immense with the small that I've got. Number six. This is my last point. Discipling. I spent years of my Christian life thinking or expecting this to be a duty of people who are far better than me duty of those who maybe who were employed in the position of church to go, that's their job. Their job's to disciple. Or they lead a small group, that's their job. Or they run kids group, that's their job. I want to just maybe bring some reality back to earth. It has got very little to do with who's doing it. It's got all to do with who's enabling them to do it. Don't think of yourself as, I can't disciple because I'm only a small person. I can't disciple because I'm not gifted. You can disciple because there is someone who's far less able or confident than yourself. You can disciple because actually together, as you spend time together, you will empower and grow together. This discipling is something that comes from within, that is a spiritual thing within, not a physical thing externally. You are personally helping someone pursue God. What a gift that is. No? Yeah? Discipling? Discipling this, this almighty privilege it is to bring someone along the line, along the way, to become spiritually formed in Christ. I think that's good. Matthew 28 says this. This is very well known. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. It wasn't just saying to certain few people, you know, if you could go and do this, it's saying, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you believe you're forgiven? Do you believe you're loved? Yes, then go. Then go. Share this good news with everyone. All nations. But the reality is, you don't go sharing your portion, going, I know I'm loved this much, so if I let you know that you're loved this much, I maybe know a little bit less. It's no, God, this almighty 
being, this almighty presence, this spirit that is empowering us to live and breathe is going to be with you. So when you go, it's not, you know, I'm going on my own. It's, you know, I get to go with God. I get to go with this God who's going to show me examples and ways that I can disciple and share the love that he's shown me. And I want to challenge you. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, um, yeah, I've always thought it was someone else's job. Because trust, I genuinely spent years thinking it wasn't my place to disciple. Know who you are in Christ. Know who Christ is, what Christ is able to do, and then see opportunities to disciple for his glory. And, and experience the rejoicing of walking and um, pursuing God with someone else. So those are my six points. So New Year's spiritual discipline. What could it be? Could it be prayer? Could it be fasting? Could it be more study of the word, not just reading it, but actually reading it and digesting it? Could it be fellowship? Maybe you quite like coming together with big church, but having a small group isn't really my cup of tea. Well, you're missing out. Not just you, but other people are missing out on you because you do have a place. Maybe it is giving, not just financially, but maybe it's your time. Maybe it's thinking, you know, I do have an afternoon a week where I don't do anything. Then come and talk to us. We have got countless people who would simply enjoy a phone call. Our um, Love Ely project, you know, getting in contact with people who are isolated. It's an hour a week to a chat. And you get a relationship with them. 40, 50 people come here for lunch on a Monday and a Friday. We don't know them personally, but they know us. Because they know they can come here, they feel loved, they feel secure, and they will share. And they'll say, you know, I've had a really bad week. I've really struggled this week with my bill. And Jeanette will often say, right, let's pray. Or I've had a letter from the doctor and I'm a bit unsure. Right, let's pray. It's coming alongside people in fellowship and giving and discipling. Well, that speaks for itself. What is your spiritual discipline? So maybe some of you are thinking, what has this title got to do with all that you've just said? Why pray when you can pay? So much of our life now is consumed with this instant gratification. This instant, oh, I really need a new car. You know, I'm just going to get another loan. Or I, I really, I'm hating my job. I'm just going to go find another one. Or I'm just going to go sign on. And I'm not saying, and I'm definitely not saying that praying about things makes things any easier. It really doesn't. But how about if rather than say, I hate my job, I'm just going to leave and sign on, you went, Father God, I'm really struggling in this place that I am at the moment. Please equip me. Give me the patience. Enable me to be your light in this place. And then keep praying it. And then maybe it gets harder and keep praying it. But pray in a way that you're expecting God to move, not in a way that I'm done, I'm, get, I'm out. Pray. So let's flip it. Why pay when you can pray? Why have the burden of life when you can say, God, I give it to you? And feel that release, feel that, um, that freshness of the Spirit upon you. I wonder if we have the band back up.
know, there's so many promises in Scripture of what God's got for us and what he's going to do. And uh, Jesus speaks to the Pharisees in John 10. He says, I came that they might have life and enjoy life and have, sorry, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance. To the full, to the overflows. This life from God he's given you is abundance. It is huge. It's, it's blessing upon blessing upon blessing that we have got to share with other people. This God we serve has got your best interest at heart. He loves you dearly. And these spiritual disciplines aren't easy. That's why they're a discipline. Listening to music constantly, playing drums constantly, you know, has not done much good to my hands. But it, the freedom I have in worship because of it. Prayer, you might think, yeah, but Tom, I've prayed for years and years and years for something. Then keep praying and expect the harvest. Don't give up now. We're gonna, I'm going to ask the band if they'll sing a song. And it's, it's a new song to us at church. It's not a relatively new song, but we're going to spend some time in just reflection. And you can stand if you want to stand. You can sit if you want to sit. And if you're online, please enjoy the song and the lyrics. But maybe it's a time to reconnect. Maybe it is time to think, actually, spiritually, what am I going to put as my discipline this year? What am I going to focus back on? And the song um, says, I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me. There may be something you're thinking, Tom, I really don't enjoy reading the Bible. Okay, I'm with you there. I'm with you there. It's not always easy. But maybe find someone that you can read with. or Maybe read a, read a, a verse a day or find a, a plan on the, on, the, on the app. And find someone you can say, you know, Matt, I'm going to read Matthew this week. And I'm going to text you every day and say, I'm really struggling with this, and you're going to pray for me. And find it a privilege, if you're Matt, to say, I'm going to pray for Tom as he's reading that. Not that I keep burdening Matt with everything. But there's a scripture in James 4.8 that says, you know, as you draw close to God, he draws close to you. And in these disciplines, this is the reality of what it is. As we seek God in our word, in his word, as we seek God in prayer, expect this revelation of who and what he is to come upon you. Let's stand, if you're able to, as we're going to sing this song. I'm just going to pray before we, before we do.